When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It will take nothing short of 100-proof living to restore lives. Join a conversation between a cop and a criminal with Brian Yates and Chris Pridmore. Working to inspire and motivate others. Rebuilding the communication breakdown. This is the 100 Proof Living Podcast. Welcome back to Conversations with a Cop and a Criminal. I'm Brian Yates. And I'm Chris Pridmore, and welcome to the show. Um, we have a great guest here this morning, Canandaigua Chief of Police, Stephen Hudworth. Um, spent 16 years of veteran law enforcement on the Canandaigua Police Department, um, has gone up through the ranks, and in 2016 became Chief of Police. And uh, we just love to welcome you to the show. Thank no, thanks you. for having me. No problem. We, uh, one of the intriguing things about this, and uh, you know the shtick here, is that we do it, we're a cop and a criminal. Yep. Um, you were the chief of police at the beginning of my fall into criminal activity. So you were the head of the police department. Not all the rest and things that I had were in your jurisdiction, but um, I've always known you to be a fair man, mm -hmm. having been on the other side. And what we thought was interesting is, that, you know, being gracious enough to come here to even have the conversation, and you, you kind of are the embodiment of the point. Once we get our stuff together, we, we're all just people just trying to work on this situation in life. And so this episode, really what we were hoping to do is focusing on your viewpoint, you know, some of your experiences, and what you see as some of the challenges for law enforcement today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chief, can you speak a little bit to so your heart is coming out in this it just um, as we had uh, Sheriff Baxter on before and as we've uh, I've uh, spoken to quite a bit in the law enforcement community your heart is becoming evident because you have opportunities to speak and you have you know an opportunity to come on this show and and, and speak at groups uh, whether it's speaking into the addiction community or um, the homeless community or you know other areas of disadvantage where you're trying to help and so then your heart becomes obvious but I think in reality, uh, the majority of law enforcement, that's where their heart is, but that's not evident to people. And I, and I realize there's social media and, you know, some negative outlets there, but how do you, how do you approach and how would you want your officers to kind of approach this, this stigma barrier that's actually against law enforcement? Well, I think a lot of that goes back to, I mean, for me personally, um, it's easy for me because I think if you're just who you are in life, it's, it's it's much easier. Not trying to be something you're not. So you know, when I got started in this career, I got kind of started late in life. I was 28 years old. Um, you know, I, I was had a loving family. Uh, you know, three siblings, three brothers, very close. I have you know four children of my own, um, and I probably had a lot of opportunities in life that a lot of people didn't. You know, and so when I got in the career as, as a young officer, you're you're kind of in that academy, and you really don't know what you're getting yourself. In. Into. I mean, you go in there and, and you see all these shows and you think it's going to be one thing and then you get into it and it's really something different. And for me, I always felt like um, 
my strongest suits were just being able to relate to people and on a human level. And I think, uh, you know, that kind of gets lost. And I think every police officer out there that's in them, it's just maybe they're a little bit more reluctant to bring it out or there's that stigma that you, you have to be a certain way that, uh, you know, the, the toughness and the emotional toughness. And I think once you open yourself up to people and they see that you're connecting them with them on a human level, it makes our job much, much easier. Um, so, uh, my mindset's always been, listen, police work for me, it's, I don't like to call myself a police officer, I like to call myself a problem solver. Um, <laughs> and the only thing that separates me from anybody else uh, is that, you know, every day we all struggle. I struggle with things, everybody in life struggles. The only difference is, you know, I throw on a bulletproof vest and a uniform every day and I go out and help people solve their problems. And at the end of the day, I take that uniform and bulletproof vest off and I go home and I try to work through my own problems. Uh, mm. So I think for for me, uh, you know, as a, I'm in my 19th year, I'm actually coming up, I'll be eligible for retirement here in February. Uh, it's been a great 20 years, but I don't plan on going anywhere. But for me, it all comes down to the simple thing. It's about the people you hire and the people that you promote. Um, um, mm. uh, to be out there as representatives of the police department. If you if you look at yourself more as a problem solver than as a police officer, I think it it, 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 it you know for me that's how I think that my heart shines through in, in, in that aspect, and that's what I look for in the people that I hire and I promote. You sure. you were well, talking I, about I, I, go ahead, Chris. And I was just to say you're talking about being a problem solver and some of those challenges, and I hear this from nursing staff at the hospital mm-hmm. as well. Um, you you are there and you're trying to serve the community, but you know when you take that vest off, you still have to have the energy to deal with your own how do you do that because it does seem to be a challenge across law enforcement now where that exhaustion level you've got your own stuff now now you got to live your life yeah. how do you approach that it, it's tough you got to have a support system and whatever that system is whether it's a church family friends whatever outlet you have that you have to have it i'm blessed you know i have uh, my girlfriend cassandra she's a you know a driving force in my life and she's a nurse um at, at thompson hospital okay and you know for me to come home and to have somebody there that kind of understands those challenges and she mm-hmm. can she can kind of level me out and i think it's important for everybody to have somebody some type of support structure and whatever that may be it can look a, a lot of different ways um you know I, I i go home at the end of the day and i you know my daughter's still at home with us uh she's a little one so I mean, it kind of rejuvenates me, and it, and it kind of reminds me that we all started, we all came into this world uh, with a blank slate. And, <laughs> you, you know, as parents, we try our best not to mess that up, you know. Um, and it goes back to, you know, I was, you know, I had a loving family, loving support system. So that's kind of the stuff that I fall back on. Right. Well, and, you know, I wanted to point out, too, that I think, like you said, when you go through the academy, you your delusions get straightened out right away, <laughs> especially once you hit the street and probably go through an FTO program. You start to realize what the job really entails. Um, but I do, I do think over time, in, in any job, there's burnout, right? And, and I think Chris even alluded to kind of emotional exhaustion. And so mm-hmm. I, I think another challenge for law enforcement is, you know, how do you approach every call? like it's your first, whether it's the first in your career or the first for that day, because you could, you know, you, you, you might at the end of the shift, you might've gone to four disturbances and one of them, you know, might've ended up very badly. You go to the next disturbance and you've got to somehow deprogram yourself from that last call uh, and go in fair-minded, open-minded, uh, and still using those kind of same, that same barometer for how you're making decisions. So, you know, is there is there training? Is there, what is it that you try to keep uh, a fresh mindset 
uh, for officers so that they can decompress and so that they are trying to be fair and impartial every single time they go out. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that comes back to, I mean, you you have to, you know, it's, it's you have to know your, your, your the people that work for you and you have to, sometimes you have to protect them from themselves. So, um, it, it, you know, you have to kind of understand that, you know, they're coming to work every day and that you don't know what they dealt with be, 10 minutes before they got to work. So, um, so you're not always, you know, like, like every profession, you're not always going to catch everybody at their best moment. Uh, so, you know, you know, an officer may come in one day and, 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 and not have any issues and go through the day and everything goes great. You know, the calls for service are handled the way you would want them handled, but you know, maybe there's a struggle at home. Maybe there's a, you know, a problem with, with, with the kids or in the marriage or, or whatever it may be. So, uh, for me in an apartment on my size, when you're talking about, about 27 sworn officers, it's very easy to, to, to keep a thumb on that, you know, um, mm. have starting the force with, with a lot of the more senior officers, but then also, you know, making sure, you know, you're checking in at the roll calls and you're talking to the supervisors and you're looking for changes in performance or attitude or, you know, you, you have to t- stay on top of that stuff. Cause I, cause I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we become the forgotten ones. Um, you know that people forget like i said we're, we're throwing on a uniform and a, and a bulletproof vest but we're no different than the people that we're serving we have all those same challenges so uh for me it's just trying to stay in tune with going on with with the you know the supervisors that are out there day in and day out and 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 and, and seeing the red flags and when they do they pop when the red flags do pop up you know you got to be ready to take action you got to be able to reach out and say hey what can we do to help you here um mm-hmm. uh, for us to be successful for me uh, i look at myself we i'm operating you know a business we're, we're, we operate the same way for us to be successful the people that work in within that business have to be come to work every day prepared to work and it can be very you know in, in law enforcement it can be very difficult to do that day in and day out if uh, you don't have the right support both at home and in, in the workplace hmm. I'm curious, you know, I appreciate that approach. You, know, you said you used business, and I've had about 11 years with Johnson & Johnson, and they have this thing called the Credo, and their whole point was, you know, you, you take care of the employee, the employee takes care sure. of the patient, the financial take, financials take care of themselves, yeah, and it sounds to me like that same model that you're following, and I appreciate that very much. I'm curious, stylistically, though, when you took over, I mean, who you took over for, I didn't realize that he was chief of police. I just was rolling around in a mat with this man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the previous chief of police, yeah. and I trained a little bit with jitsu with him the only thing i knew is he's a little gruff and he had a back problem but he was definitely a different personality <laughs> than you uh, i'm curious how did that transition work for you because we do have such a unique culture within canada when it's a lot of home-based crimes a- absolutely i mean for me when, uh so i did my entire career with the city candy when uh like i guess i got started later in life so when i walked in it was then chief mccarthy he had done 20 plus years in nypd retired came up to candy we did 20 plus years so mm. uh you know you know, I was one of the, you know, my, my path to law enforcement wasn't a direct path. It wasn't kind of always where I saw myself, but it's where I ended up. Uh, but I remember the day I sat in his office and I interviewed and, uh, you know, I didn't really know much about anything. And he looked at me and, you know, Chief McCarthy said, hey, you know, we're going to give an opportunity. We're going to offer you a job. Uh, and you'll probably be like a lot of these young cops who want to go up to the bigger cities with all the money and all the action. And, and I looked at him and I said, no. Well, I said, you give me an opportunity here, and I appreciate that. So in return, I'll give you that same opportunity. So, uh, and I'll stay here, and, and I, that's what I did. And, you know, I kind of had the opportunity to work in all different assets of the department, spent the 16 years mostly in the road patrol. Uh, and then when uh, Chief Welch took over uh, in 2008, uh, I had the luxury of working with him at the road level as officers and then under his supervision. Uh, so it wasn't a hard transition, but... Uh, 
both of those gentlemen were embedded in the Canandaigua community. Right. So, you know, it, it, the transition wasn't hard. And actually, you know, having, you know, I've relied on both of them. I've met with both of them and talked to them uh, in depth about different things and challenges. And so I, I had the luxury of falling back on that. Mm-hmm. And particularly with Chief, uh, Chief Welch, you know, a gentleman that was born and raised in that community, you, you can't go anywhere without knowing or seeing something about Chief John Welch. So right. uh, it's a great resource. I you know, And I, I think in my line of work, you can't be afraid to reach out and for help and wherever that may be in, in direction and advice. So uh, I try, whether it's, uh, I try to stay in my lane. And if I don't know, you know, I don't have the answer, I try to find somebody that does. So uh, so it's been a great resource and it's uh, kind of reflective of the Canadian community. It's very tight-knit, tight, tight-knit community. And uh, uh, it's a it's a great place to work and live. Chief, what would you say are maybe the couple of top two or three challenges for your department right now? Um, I would say it's it's reflective of everything nationwide. Obviously, recruitment is a huge uh, topic right now, and uh, some of the literature out there, and uh, if you watch all the news, the big the big the biggest agencies out there are struggling to find recruitment, and and it makes it even more difficult for the smaller agencies. So, and I think you know there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, it's not a you know a type of job where you're working nights, weekends, holidays, maybe not under the best conditions. Uh, I think a lot of the unwarranted uh, media attention that we that, that we attract you know i don't i don't think it's necessarily fair all the time uh you know so i think people have a certain or cast us in a certain light which is uh, not necessarily true so i think recruitment's huge the mental health and the substance abuse part of it is enormous uh, it's changed the face of law enforcement uh changed how we approach uh just the day-to-day activities in law enforcement it, it, it is probably one of the most uh sweeping changes across this country and uh it's we're all trying to still trying to get a handle on it and as ironic as that sounds to me because it's been something that's been going on for years and years and years in this country and we still haven't got our minds around it so i think there's just you know the 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 challenges that just seem to come year after year but the consistent one in my mind is the mental health the substance abuse and i see recruitment in the long term being a a a, a big challenge for us sure well, just having the skill set to deal with mental health issues and substance abuse. I mean, you know, you're asking a 20-something-year-old kid to go to a disturbance call and in seconds decide what is really going on there in that disturbance and make those kind of critical decisions. So I think that is tough. And I, and I, and I agree, having spent a lot of my career in law enforcement, I do think that the, the social media, the, the media at large is, has been really unfair at least as of late within the last 10 years or so you know Mm -hmm. we we have some systemic problems uh that go back to and you know the research has shown that uh, a lot of the unfairness is socioeconomic and there is a group of people that you know lived an entire generation of being you know probably poorly treated not not just by police officers police officers are an extension of kind of i'm doing air quotes that you can't see but the the system you know the um a lot of cultural things uh, uh and even our you know political setup probably did disadvantage um not probably it did disadvantage people for a long time but a lot of that has been corrected however it's not being felt at all levels and so i feel like when you see you know and 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 recently chris and i talked offline uh, about yet another uh situation that came up where uh, there are protests about an officer's response in a situation until 
the videos come out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's 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 this mob mentality of of pile on and i do think it makes it difficult especially for the seasoned officers that have grown through transitions of their own we we you know faced the community with a certain disposition years ago and i love the language you're using it's not just the people that you hire it's the people that you promote mm-hmm. it's not just finding the guy that has the tenure it's finding the guy that's going to be a leader Absolutely. and be able to challenge his subordinates appropriately to draw the best out of them and back to that bottom line of we're, we're here to help people and so I, I've i seen that big paradigm shift in my career of uh, the challenges that you know are in the community but then specifically how law enforcement has to uh, has to respond to that so I you know I appreciate your leadership in, uh, in the Canandaigua community just because I know how difficult it is because at night you go home not just you know bearing your own burdens but feeling the weight of the department on your shoulders and and even more so the communities right on top of that and so that's a it's a heavy burden to carry yeah absolutely just to follow up to that i mean um you know like any profession there's people that shouldn't be police officers and we all we all acknowledge that we accept them we have to embrace that and a lot of the the mistreatment and that that's happened in the past and it continues to happen i mean we, sure. we can't we can't live in a bubble and say hey this doesn't exist because it does um and and we when we all went to the academy we all went into the academy with one thing in common we all had a name and we came out with that name and what you've done over your career not only is a reflection of yourself but everybody else so i'm sure there's mm-hmm. cop when, when a cop in iowa is you know arrested for doing something wrong or misconduct or excessive force that reflects on me and i've never met right. that cop in iowa i mean that you know but people People have to have that mindset. The things I do in Canandaigua, New York, or the things that my officers do in Canandaigua, New York, have a far greater, you know, outreach and impact than Canandaigua, New York. So, uh, in the law enforcement community, I mean, we have to own, we have to own our past, we have to own, you know, the good and the bad. So, and and that's right. kind of how I look at. It. I mean, again, y- 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 everybody deserves and entitled to fair, equal, and equitable treatment under the law, and that's how it should be. Um, and I think if if we we don't, if we're not uncomfortable talking about that which a lot of people are um you know we're not going to solve any problems but uh open and, and candid conversation like the ones we're having here today i think are vital to to, to moving that forward yeah i'd like to kind of speak in on there too because you just hit the word that's my word ownership mm-hmm. um that reasonably if i don't own my past i mean two of the arrests that your officers made with me were on bristol street um very respectful the way they handled things and it was fine um but what I did was illegal and caused me to have these issues. Now, I, it's, we're expecting law enforcement to own it, but me with a criminal past and some mental health issues and alcohol addiction, um, I have to own that as well. It, it, it's not going to be up – the onus is not on law enforcement to own your role and then to just allow me to do whatever I want until eventually I come around. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the fence and the rest of the community, regardless of our function, right now we're just representing you know, the breaking the law versus the law. Um, but there's also other elements in the community, even right down the interpersonal relationships we have in our home. We're always blaming somebody else or socially we're blaming another party, uh, political party. It really comes down to that ownership. Yep. Do, I, do I accept the fact that my situation was caused in large part because of me? Yeah, I do. Um, and the going forward plan, how do I make that not happen again? Yeah. And so that's, I, th- I think that what some of the things you've led to, but it does le- speak to your leadership. And I'm curious about one thing with that, because um, while you and I have a friendly interaction, and I appreciate that very much, that grace that you've offered to me personally, because this is my home mm-hmm. and I do love Canada, but I'm doing everything I possibly can to help on the other side with people that are struggling with addiction. But leadership is important. And I'm curious, when you say you're leading others, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? 
Oh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And you're hiring good leaders. What do you see as a leader? Well, I, I think you have to, for me, there are certain things that are, when I look at somebody, to make a good police officer, there's a lot of things. We could teach you a lot of the skills that you're going to need. But for me, uh, when I go to, you know, as, as a member of the Finger Lakes Law Enforcement Academy, we, we have direct responsibility over the supervision of that academy and how we're going to instruct these cadets. And the things when I go in there and I when I talk, I said, to me, if you're a good police officer, you have to be humble. You have to have empathy. Those two things right there, you have to have those. And they're free. We don't, you know, they cost you nothing. So if you have that understanding going in that you're humble, that the people that you're dealing with are the same as you and if you understand that and you and, and you and you accept that and the empathy you have to understand that again it all comes back to we're all struggling and and maybe me i have more opportunities in certain areas than others and you have to understand that when you go into this job that maybe some people didn't make the same choices you made it didn't have the same opportunities and resources that you had so uh when i look those are the two things i really look for are are, are you a humble person uh can you serve your community you're understanding that uh because of the uniform that you wear and the power that you've been given makes you no different if anything it makes you more accountable than mm-hmm. than than the, the the people that you serve so those are the when I look to hire an officer, and then when I looked up for my supervisor, same thing. Are you a strong leader? Are you okay um, with that emotional side of this job? Are you okay with letting down that wall to make that connection? Some of the some of the best officers in my department, the, the, you know, the, that I get letters about continually. It's just it was like I was talking to a, just a family member or another person. It was just mm-hmm. that that connection. I think when you boil it down to the you know common denominator, that's really what what I look for. And you know, yeah, historically. The, the, you know, law enforcement, the criminal justice system, system you know, it, it has been discriminatory against people that live in low socioeconomic means, and I and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of this criminal justice reform come down the pipe. Um, but to Chris's point, uh, there's certain things in life, whether it's empathy, humility, love, compassion, accountability, discipline. Those are all things that are free. You can just teach people that. I mean, that's something that can be taught in any home, regardless of uh, the circumstances. So, I mean, uh, if we got back to those basics, and that's kind of what I look for in the people that I hire and I pe- people I promote, do you have those qualities uh, and, and that in you? Because if you do, we'll make you great cops and we'll make you great supervisors. Mm-hmm. Chief, outside of obvious mandatory arrest scenarios, do you encourage discretion in terms of you know just as one example i used to have this thing if i pulled someone over for a traffic violation you were going to get a lecture or you were going to get a ticket you mm-hmm. weren't going to get both <laughs> and I, I i could typically based on their history and based on other things is kind of how i determine which of those i was distributing but do you know do you 
do you encourage discretion? Do you do you encourage involvement, or it, do you try to limit the amount of interaction that the officers are having on, on various calls? No, I, I absolutely encourage uh, discretion. I mean, you, you've hired somebody that you've in, entrusted a lot of authority and, and a lot of freedom to as far as their, their, their day-to-day activities. So um, you have to give them that discretion to go out and do a very difficult job. Um, hmm. You know, to say, hey, we're going to make an arrest, a mandatory arrest. I mean, it, it, when you start going down that road, it's a very, you know, slippery slope to go down. So I think it, there's discretion in all levels in the criminal justice system uh, from police officers to prosecutors to public defenders to judges. I mean, there's a term tremendous amount of discretion that goes in it and for me in Ontario County we're very fortunate in the sense that you know that discretion can lead to putting me you know people in 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 positive situations where they can succeed Uh, when you have things such as drug court mental health court veterans court um, youth court I mean all kinds of programs and services that are offered inside inside the jail and outside the jail Um, and I always you know when I for when I look at like the systemic drug problem we have in this country, you know, our drug investigators, they, they, they're working around the clock, it seems. But not every drug dealer is a drug dealer just to make profit. Some people in the addiction world, you know, that they, they're, they're just dealing drugs or, and in that environment to survive, to feed an addiction. Yep. So right. the answer can't always be, hey, let's, let's lock them, everybody up and forget about it. Now, sometimes those people, you know, dealing drugs at, at a very local level, that's the only way they're going to stop. And then and they get incarcerated, but that creates an opportunity. That uh-huh. creates an opportunity sure. for services to be brought in or them to seek services they, they may not normally seek on their own uh, if they're in, in a full-blown addiction. So to me, I think discretion is one of the greatest things any police officer has if it's used appropriately. And uh, I go back to my academy days, and uh, one of the instructors says, if you're doing the right thing for the right reason in your heart, you'll generally be okay. And I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of that stuck with me throughout my career, and I, and I kind of been trust my my officers out there to do the same thing Mm. i believe in the in law enforcement involvement especially in the addiction community there's a necessity for it at certain places i mean Mm. in my life the accountability measures that were there with you know post-release supervision and things like that were really critical and i actually say that uh, to ray a lot um because the the whole notion of that world is that your brain isn't right anyway i Mm. mean for me my problems were way beyond a bottle the bottle mm-hmm. just made life a lot easier to be an idiot um, and to behave in a way that I find disgusting now. But it took a season for me to get my mind right. And sometimes incarceration, taking, giving the time out when Sheriff Baxter, Monroe County Sheriff Baxter was on here, said the same thing. You know, there's times when you just need that time out. Yep. You can't arrest it away. But I am finding it is interesting in our community. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's just a perception, but I feel like, and we did talk about this a little, is, you know, you, other communities you go into and you hear about the big street gangs or stuff like that. Our community, a lot of the crimes happening in the homes. I mean, mm-hmm. the work I do in the emergency Department, I see a lot of criminal activity that happened in somebody's home in the quiet and if it's an afternoon during a football game. You know, you guys have a, a unique, I think, environment to split that out. How do you go home when you just were doing police work in somebody's home? It might be a neighbor. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, like I said, in a community our size, I mean, you, you, you could, you know, show up to work and next thing you know you're dealing with somebody that you went to high school with or you you know that you live next door to it's it's a it's a tough dynamic in a city our size you know you don't see uh like for the the the, the drug problem i mean you in some larger cities you could probably sit on corners and just watch drug deals happen every day when a lot of that's happening within homes and, mm-hmm. and, and out of the public view 
Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's a tough dynamic. Uh, you know, you have to rely on a lot of community relations. You got to make those contacts. Uh, there's a lot of community organizations, uh, community involvement. You have to put the work in to, to get the results. So you have to have the public a trust you. So we, you have to be out there. Um, something as simple as you know, a community our size, we do foot patrols every day. Just accessing the community. That's information. Making contact with people so they feel comfortable coming up and talk to you about their problems or providing information. Hey, I'm seeing this happen over here. Uh, uh, it, it's about building trust, and, and the more trust you have, the more more successful you'll be. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's kind of my investment when I took over in uh, uh, 2016. I, I felt like to, let's recommit to the community policing part of it, uh, build that trust, and make us make make police officers accessible to the public to get to know we 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 serve you. You should know who we are and what we're about. So, that, that's kind of one of the I think for community our size, you have to invest in that to get the results. So, right. Well, Chief, you said something really important there. And, you know, when we think of stigmas or just the brokenness kind of in our culture, in the family unit throughout the country, uh, but specifically as it relates here to the law enforcement and um, and the rest of the community, it doesn't even have to be an offender. It could be someone that was uh, a family member of someone. But if, if there was a perceived wrong by someone in the community and they have developed this kind of bitterness toward law enforcement um, or maybe just someone has just tuned into this nonsense of um, you know drinking from the fire hose from the media about how awful law enforcement is mm-hmm. if there was one message you could convey to them to, to a person that for one reason or another just kind of has a general distaste for law enforcement and w- what would you want them to know or how would you want them to perhaps reframe the way that they think about law enforcement? Because at some point they may need you or um, just to improve that relationship that you're talking about, to rebuild that trust. I mean, what would be something you'd want people in your community to know that might not already look at law enforcement very favorably? Give us a chance. I mean, I don't think it's fair to judge anybody by their worst moment. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think you need to, you know, give us a chance and, uh, I was using the LG. I mean, we, we all go around about our, we've all been to the grocery store or doctor's office and we always have an encounter, maybe have an encounter at the grocery store with the clerk and maybe they're not that friendly today. And your lasting impression was, eh, that person's uh, not, not quite so friendly. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go back there. You go to a doctor's office or, you know, and maybe you have the first time you see that nurse or that doctor not, you know, wasn't a great experience or, you know, I mean, don't judge us off of, of one experience. Don't judge us off of something you saw happen in the media halfway across the country with a police officer judge us off of our sustained performance give us an opportunity i think it's only fair um in life that way um you know i i think back and you know as i sit here across from chris i think to, to myself you know growing up as a, as a young adult and even as a young cop i didn't have a lot of interaction with somebody that had a substance abuse problem i just didn't um so when i came exposed to it and you but in, you see the 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 ends that people in addiction will go to and the way they will, I mean, they will victimize the people closest to them. You have to tell yourself in your mind that, that that's a powerful thing they're going through to make them make those decisions. So, and you know, so they should not be judged in that worst moment of their life when they're in a moment of full blown addiction. And I think for law enforcement, we're on the other side of that. Like when we're not at our best, we, 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 you know, we can't be judged. So give us an opportunity. Um, you may have a bad experience with an officer. And then two weeks later, for some reason you have contact with somebody in law enforcement. And it was like, man, that, that, that was one of the nicest 
officers I've ever met. You know, they, they, you, once you realize we're just humans, you know, tasked with doing a very difficult job, I think uh, that's the message that was put out there. Just be patient. Give us an opportunity. Uh, and, you know, if, if something happens that puts us in a bad light, you know, just wait for the facts to come out before we make rush to judgment. Yeah, I think I think that idea of a body of work. I mean, today, literally, there will be millions of law enforcement interactions today alone, millions. And I think just in this country, and I think that speaks volumes to, you know, this body of work where they're out there serving and uh, and, and really trying to make a difference. And, and like you said, absolutely, there is a time and a place to address injustice or mistreatment. Um, but it is such a small fraction of what really happens every day. It's like the, it's like the people that, uh, you know, teach customer service. If you go into a McDonald's and you order your Big Mac and you get your Big Mac, you leave, you don't run and tell 10 people about how awesome your McDonald's experience was <laughs> because you're just so used to it. But I tell you what, you go in there and they serve you a filet of fish instead of a Big Mac, you're going to go tell 10 people how bad the service was at McDonald's. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Brian that's definitely just, will. <laughs> you know, I will. And so, but it's that, it's that same idea of you know, I don't think uh, the police need to be out giving free turkeys away for Thanksgiving just to repair this um, this damaged image because it really isn't. It's a perception. We can work on a perception, but that's just by continuing to do the good things that we've done, uh, eliminate um, and and change with the culture, eliminate some of the bad things that we've done, and, and move forward. And I love that you know you just you make that simple plea. Hey, just give us a chance because we are out here doing a tough job. We're, we want to do it with you, and we're certainly doing it for you. Absolutely, and like you said, on the millions. I mean, today alone, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of police contact. The community will come in contact with law enforcement thousands and thousands of times across today alone. When you when you boil it down, and the, everybody will walk away feeling good about it, you know. And it's at it's at less than one half of one percent time when the community and the police come together, where maybe the outcome isn't so great. There's a use of force. I mean, that, the numbers don't lie. You're right. I mean, day in and day out the community interact with the police in, in a lot of different fashions and under a, a, a lot of different circumstances without any issues and so you know we have to like i said i think it's always good to pump the brakes a little bit step back and say okay before we overreact to something let's let's get all the facts uh and, mm -hmm. and see where that takes us well brian we're kind of at that point now um where we wrap up the show um chief hudworth is there anything else you'd like to close on in terms of yeah, shout outs? Just, just a couple things uh for the veterans out there um my heart you know my heart goes out for the thanks uh the sacrifice that uh, that you make for all of us uh it's not lost uh we're able to sit here and talk today freely maybe we have the same opinions maybe we have different opinions but it all become all because of the sacrifices other people making for us and when you uh, look across uh, the world that's not always the case that people don't have that type of freedom so i think it's important that we make uh you know make the veterans a number one priority every day i have five of them work in my building one's actively deployed right now in afghanistan so we're, we're praying for his safe return uh my my, my beard uh just so i for the record uh, we have a shave policy for the city of canadagua uh, no beards but the the two unions within my building came to me and asked said hey chief for no shave november we'd like to make a donation to the roswell park uh comprehensive cancer center for uh, young adults and children nice and if we do that uh, would you waive the shave policy he says uh, uh if it's 
it's a, a substantial donation for sure. So uh, when you see the Canadigua police officers driving around and they're going to look pretty scruffy, but uh, including myself, I don't <laughs> generally grow a beard, but I did to, to help support the cause. So it's a great cause. I can't think of anybody's life that hasn't been touched by cancer. My mom was taken in 2005. I'm a cancer survivor since 2010. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to step up and that's just one of those things where I encourage everybody to go to our Facebook page to see all the great things we're doing. We generally just put all the, the positive stuff on there, you know, uh, activities we're involved in, uh, programs that we're doing. Uh, so take a look at our Facebook page. Uh, I'd also uh, like to give a shout out to Donna Shardle. Uh, Donna Shardle's, uh, uh she's an employee at the Candigo Sewell District. Her life was touched in a, in a very special way by members of law enforcement years ago through a tragedy. And since then, she's been committed to supporting law enforcement. So she has a, uh, a group uh, it's called Back the Blue Organization. Maybe you're familiar with. I'm it. familiar. Yeah, she's she's the driving force. You actually introduced me to them. Yes. Uh, so. so go to their website, uh, oc dot pbaorg They got a lot of gear on there. You can buy it. All those funds go to, to that that are raised support things like Do the Right Thing program, which she helped bring back a couple of years ago. Uh, Shop with a cop coffee with a cop uh, we're participating in the marines toys for tots she has a, a, a youth academy she puts on in the summertime uh, uh she'll reach out to uh any member of law enforcement wherever you are if you're you know somebody's involved in a tragedy uh, uh or having a difficult time so uh, she's a tremendous resource uh, I, I encourage you to visit and uh, check out the website we'll definitely support that i appreciate that absolutely <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, I, Chief, it's a, it was an honor to talk to you, and I, I appreciate your service uh, in the community. Uh, the time that I spent in Canandaigua was uh, was really positive, and um, you do a job that's uh, very difficult. And to have an entire department on your shoulders, um, you know, makes it that much more stressful for you personally. And so I appreciate you carrying that load. Um, and as I wrap up, you know, we mention on this show a lot, learning to appreciate people. And today what we tried to do uh, again was, you know, recognize that, you know, stigma affects everyone uh, in some way. And the idea of breaking through barriers uh, and getting to the other side uh, allows us for better interactions, better communication. And it can be within your family. It can be with a police officer. Uh, it can be with someone that's just different from you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've tried to do over and over is to, to speak that truth. And the, this mantra that I close with every time uh, comes from learning to appreciate people. And very soon, uh, I'm, I'm going to be introducing Alex, uh, the originator <laughs> of learning to appreciate people. And, and he and I did a bunch of work together that we really want to roll out because we feel that it will help people. There are some tools and principles uh, that go back to some very, you know, common communication philosophies and uh, have been very beneficial to a lot of people. So stay tuned for that coming out. But I do want to remind everybody that one way you can help um, yourself, uh, making life easier for yourself and dealing with people that, you know, you might not have a lot in common with is just remembering that I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I have value everybody does mm-hmm. and chief Hedworth, i really appreciate you coming on here um community is my home it's my community and i love it there and uh the work you guys are doing is outstanding I, I see all sides of it being involved in the addiction recovery community now but um i do believe that the policing and the accountability was very important to save my life and i am grateful for that but i appreciate the audience for turning into 100 proof living where we believe that change lives change lives With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.